Hi, in this episode of Ivy Matters, we talk to John Eversall, an experienced MYP coordinator and a member of the IB Educators Network about the MYP Personal Project. John walks us through the personal project requirements, assessment process, and some tips for schools who are looking to gain greater implementation of this capstone to the MYP experience. Around 20 minutes into this episode, John shares several examples of memorable projects from recent years in his school. The value of the MYP is certainly clear when you witness the work of these young people completing their truly personal projects. Welcome to IB Matters, a podcast for those who currently teach, lead, attend, or are interested in international baccalaureate IB schools. Hi, this is John Peterson with IB Matters, and I'm here today with John Eversall, who's an MYP coordinator in uh, Minnesota here. Hi, John. Hi, John. So why don't you start by uh, letting folks know who you are and a little bit about your background and how you got into this role that you currently have. So I'm the uh, Middle Years Program Coordinator, and uh, I teach TOK, or Theory of Knowledge, which is a, uh, a course in the diploma program. It's part of the core uh, I teach at Park Center Senior High School, a school of about 2,100 students in Brooklyn Park. So, so John, tell us a little bit about your educational background that, that gets you into uh, this area. So I studied uh, French and philosophy uh, at St. Olaf College, uh, and that got me into teaching overseas, I think. Uh, I, I studied abroad for a year in France. Um, after that, I got a master's degree in uh, English as a second language from the University of Minnesota, and when I realized I wanted to do K-12 teaching, I got um, my teaching license at Hamlin University. Mm-hmm. We're actually going to do a whole podcast with you about international teaching. I noticed uh, in our uh, listens that a lot of our, our followers on, on, on Matters IB, which is our Twitter handle, uh, are teaching in international schools around the world, so I thought they'd be interested to hear your background and also other people that might be considering international teaching uh, would like to hear that. So that'll be a whole nother, uh, a topic of a whole nother podcast that, that I'll be putting out soon. Uh, so we have you here today, John, to talk about the personal project. And I think uh, for those of us, and I've been involved with this directly myself as well, I think it's one of the more challenging aspects of coordinating and, and having a, a middle years program. It's one of the most rewarding, but it's also a challenge. And so if you wouldn't mind uh, sharing with us kind of your story and the, related to the personal project uh, by starting out telling us what is the personal project in the middle years program. So the personal project is a culminating required uh, project that all 10th grade students uh, complete. And the idea behind it is that Kids can choose something that they are really interested in or curious to know more about and that they embark on, you know, about a year's worth of or nine months worth of of learning. And so um, at the end of this, they will have created something called an outcome or or a product and then they will have written a report on this, reflecting on Mm -hmm. really what they've learned about the topic and then also themselves. So is the personal project a report or is it something else? It's, it's both. It's, it's the thing that students learn about or create. So they do have, there's a tangible piece to this. So it's, for example, uh, a slideshow on their 
family history or a portfolio of their uh, photography of of landscapes mm-hmm. uh, and then and then they also write a report where they okay. reflect on what they've learned okay so the the report will talk about assessment the report is part of the assessment process that's correct okay yeah so go on yeah so i think what um what's really cool about the personal project is it allows students to explore what they are really interested in you know how many times in school did you get to do anything you want as long as it was safe legal and ethical right mm-hmm. so right. the personal project allows allows students to do that and and right. to that end it's really important that kids take take some time to think about what matters to them um maybe it's something they want to change about the world uh it's a topic they're really curious about mm-hmm. and know something about already, but want to go into more depth. Uh, maybe it's a pastime they have already that they want to um, improve upon or mm-hmm. develop. So these are all really good avenues for kids to um, to explore with a personal project. And I think the the name says it. It's a personal project. And I believe you mentioned, um, did you, that it, it is something they do at the end of the middle years program in 10th grade. Right. Yep. And that's mm-hmm. the last year of the <clears throat> MYP. Correct. Are the students just kind of left on their own to just, you know, ponder what is it that they want to do? Or are they given some tools so that they can kind of think about, reflect on what they want to do? How does that, how do they end up choosing the project in the, in the, in the end? Yeah, I think it's important for schools to have a structure for, for, uh, for this so that students can be uh, successful. And not only do you need to provide students with materials around the personal project, but they need, they need time. So when schools can carve out a chunk of time, whether that be in a particular class or uh, an advisory or um, period or, or sometime when, when all students meet, um, that's essential so mm-hmm. that a teacher can meet with with a group of students and roll this project out to them. So the materials that you might be presenting to students as a teacher include guidance on choosing a topic. And as I said earlier, the the big thing is it's got to be meaningful for you as a student. And Mm -hmm. so when kids land on that, um, you know, they, they typically see good results for them, from them, for themselves. Um, so do students do this on their own in or in a class or with a mentor? Um, what is the process of, of guidance that goes on within the school structure? Yeah, they, they, should, be, they should be meeting um, during some dedicated time, and schools are allowed to figure how that, out how that works. Okay. So it could be, again, during, um, during an advisory period, or it could be after school. It could be during another, another class they have regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't need to be all of that class, but that's an important first step. And then all students do have what's called a supervisor, and this supervisor is um, a teacher or staff member who uh, helps give the student feedback and encouragement along the way. Um, mm-hmm. They can also have what's called a mentor, and this might be somebody who is an expert in in the area they're looking into or want to learn more about. Um, but that's not required. And so with their supervisor, students need to check in uh, at least three times and have that recorded. I would suggest mm-hmm. that students do it, do it more than that. Uh, that would be at a minimum. Um, but then 
as a supervisor or as a teacher who is guiding a group of students through this, um, you would want to lead them through um, the stages of the project. And so the first one is investigating, mm-hmm. figuring out what topic you're, you're going to choose, how you're actually going to show your learning. So that's okay. part of this too. So let me, let me, let's, let's use an example as we talk about these processes. Um, do you have a particular, you know, personal project in mind that we could say, okay, in the investigating stage, I know I've seen some of these and a student learns that I want to learn how to play the guitar or I want to, you know, develop a workout plan and, and uh, become a fast runner. What are some of the, the, what is the actual, like, what would they do in the investigation stage of one that you have experience with? Right. So um, one student that comes to mind is a young woman from Cameroon who wanted to create a cookbook of of her favorite recipe and her family's okay. favorite recipes. So okay. um, she liked cooking. She liked cooking her her family's recipes um recipes from her from her home culture and so once she landed on that um she asked herself well how would i go about putting together a cookbook on this and mm-hmm. um how would i know that my recipes um can be made by somebody else and so what mm-hmm. she did was she worked with her her aunties and her mother and grandmother at home to narrow down um a group of recipes that she thought would be appropriate. In the end, she had about 24, I would say. Um, She practiced making those recipes. She took photos of some of that process um, and and completed, um, you know, beautiful meals that Mm -hmm. that came out of these. Uh, She wrote down all those steps. uh, And then she actually had the entire um, book bound as, you know, through Shutterfly or one of these companies where you can... Yeah, familiar with that put together a, a, a book. So that was a really cool personal project. And again, this student asks herself, so how am I going to be able to show this um, yeah. to others effectively? And So in her investigation, would that be the part where she was talking to her relatives specifically and, and what the recipes were and, and some of the experimental cooking that went into it? Yeah, well, that's actually, the investigation is really the pre-stage of that to figure out, yes, indeed, she wanted to um, create this cookbook. It's really the next stage, the planning stage, where she would be talking to her relatives. She'd be coming up with a timeline to make sure she had ample time, indeed, to um, uh, make these recipes and, uh, you know, more than once to troubleshoot them and, and all of that. And so... Uh, that that planning piece is really important here to make sure um, that you're on track with your project. Right. Um, Once you've done the planning and the investigation, uh, what is the next stage, John? So the next step is taking action. And here a student will actually put together their product, what they want to share with others. Um, and in this case, it's the actual cookbook. And so she formatted everything, included pictures, made sure her recipes were clearly written and sent this whole thing off to Shutterfly and, and had a bound book as a, as a result. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, last, the last step is for students to reflect on their, on their projects. And during this time, they, they write about what they uh, have learned about their topic and, and themselves as IB learners. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and during this time, students actually write. They could 
do kind of a podcast or make a video of their reflection to, but um, it's a 3,500-word reflection on um, so it's each pretty, of these. pretty substantial. It is substantial, mm-hmm. and, and they look actually at each of these stages they've gone through, so the investigating, the planning, the taking action, um, and finally the reflecting. Mm-hmm. So, um, so they've done all those things. Is there a chance for them to share this beyond themselves or their supervisor? Where, how does the community find out about these projects? Yeah, I think the coolest part of this is what we call the personal project showcase. And so we organize it during our advisory time so that these 10th grade students with their products in hand, say, set up a horseshoe of of tables or desks in the room and stand behind their work with Mm -hmm. a little placard in front of themselves with their name and the title of their project. And then we invite ninth graders in to tour these things and ask questions and and find out a little bit more and that's that's makes sense because those ninth graders are going to be doing the same thing the following year and this gives them a chance to kind of see what's out there right it's a perfect it's a perfect preview of of what they're going to be doing um i think some schools also do an evening where parents come in and so on i don't know if you do that but that that is also being done in other places we do something similar but a little different instead of having all students come in during uh during an evening, what we've done is we've asked the advisory teachers who work with these students to nominate, um, let's say, two or three projects that they think are exceptional. Mm-hmm. And so we gather this group of, uh, of about 60 students, and um, during our parent-teacher conferences in the spring, we organize it so that kids can show off their projects then uh, we have sure. a little little pizza party ahead of time, celebrate, do a little rah-rah. And then what's really nice is not only can families come in and see these projects, but their teachers can too. Um, they can usually sneak out um, for a minute during, uh, during conferences to check out all the good work that mm-hmm. the kids have done. That's great. So um, what is the process? Is there, is there an assessment uh, process? You know, the student has put a lot of this work in. They've done the reflection written the report. Uh, how, is, uh, how is this assessed? So this is assessed uh, with the personal project rubric, which, um, which measures how well students have done their uh, investigating, their planning, their taking action, and their reflecting. And so students have written their report where they've, they've written about all of those, those pieces of the process. They have their, they have their uh, product or outcome, and so their teacher, who's led them through this, will take a look at both of those things and then use the rubric to assess their level of achievement. And we do this through um, a Google form, and so teachers can record scores and comments on that. Mm-hmm. So I know something about uh, the school's history with the personal project, um, and you know. Just a few years ago, you went from doing 30 to 50 per year and uh, somehow managed to get it up closer to 400. And I know a lot of uh, listeners and a lot of MYP schools around uh, this region, and I would guess probably in other places as well, would like to hear a, a few of the things that you did or that you changed so that you could get such a high percentage of your students participating and completing uh, the personal project. Well, initially when we had when we had lower numbers we didn't we didn't embed the personal project into any any course or 
um, piece of the day. And so it was really catch as catch can as far as trying to get this done, which which made it very difficult to reach uh, a large number of kids. Um, what we were able to do was take our advisory period, which meets for 68 minutes once a week, and really dedicate nine months of that to the personal project. And so mm -hmm. starting in uh, spring trimester of ninth grade, students begin to reflect on what kind of topic they um, they will pursue for their project, and then they pick that back up in the fall, and it runs really through the end of January, and then teachers have um, about five or six weeks to assess their students' work. Mm -hmm. But by putting it into a weekly, um, a weekly course like advisory, um, we were able to have much, much more success and re reach many more students. And so, okay. so for you, the lesson is kind of build it in. Uh, it's difficult if you're leaving it to the students um, on their own. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah. That and, one, and one of the things I will say also on uh, from my knowledge of what you've been through here, um, the year that it really went up is when you added ninth graders to this school. It used to be a 10 through 12 school. And so students came in without a lot of experience in the, in the MYP in some cases. And so now with ninth graders in the building, you can do a lot of that. As you mentioned, the ninth graders can see the 10th graders projects and they also have a whole year of MYP under their belt for every student, which helps. Yeah. I, I think that's really been uh, a part of the success with this too. Uh, the other thing I would mention is just how important it is uh, to have teachers um, knowledgeable and well-informed about this and to have them excited about this project. And really, so we we do a, a training for all teachers who are going to be leading the personal project during their advisories. Virtually every teacher I have worked with has been really excited to lead this with their, with their students. Um, they see the value in it. Um, it's not a hard sell when you when you when you say, "Look, this is an opportunity for students to really get into something that they that they love," mm -hmm. um, and so folks see the value in that. Well, I think a lot of the things in the IB in particular is that the first time through, um, those pioneers don't have anyone to look to to see what it should look like, and I think as soon as folks get that first one under the belt and you have examples, and this is why it's so critical, I'm sure, to have ninth graders see the tenth graders work. Then they got to go, oh, I see what this is. And I see how excited that yeah, that person is about what they just did. And and so that, along with it happens with staff, too. Staff uh, need to kind of have some ownership of what happens and, and also see the the interest in their students' eyes and, and in the work that they do. So I, I'm sure all of that is that's an important factor as well. Yeah, it really is. And we've seen just a huge range of projects and really cool ones over the years. Why don't you um, share a few of those? I think um, yeah. I, I mentioned a couple that I just still remember, but go ahead. Well, um, you know, I think you may have mentioned some training plans that students come up with. So they come up with personalized athletic training programs for, you know, basketball, for mm -hmm. football, for uh, swimming. You name the sport, and they often will work with their coach and come up with a, a goal. They measure their um, their progress. Those are fantastic. Um, I mentioned the cookbook earlier, and there mm -hmm. are lots and lots of family cookbooks 
Um, and, and the cool thing about that is students often write about their family history along with that and why these recipes are important and when they prepare them. Um, we get more broadly um, projects where students will will research their family history. They'll, they'll mm-hmm. interview elders. They'll talk about um, countries of origin, um, or they'll, they'll write it all about their, their, their home country mm-hmm. and, um, um, and celebrate that and inform people about um, where they're from. Um, we had one um, at our spring uh, association leaders meeting here in Minnesota. We had some students from St. Paul Central High School come in and the one that I remember that's really struck me was a quilt. And uh, the young woman had had uh, in, you know interviewed her, like you said, her elders, the, the the older generation, and essentially created a quilt of I think it was twelve squares, or maybe it was even sixteen squares, of uh, of things that reflected her family's history. And you know, it was so touching when she talked about the panel, the one square in the quilt was of pancakes, and the fact that that was such a key thing in her relationship with her grandmother. And that you know, Grandma always made pancakes, and so that was a reflection of that history in the family, and it was going to be carried through. And this this quilt was something that she'll have the rest of her life. It's it's really amazing when you see how truly touching and personal these these stories can become. Yeah, that is a perfect example of of a personal project. Um, you know, and and students get into this. Um, one young woman who loves golf is on the golf team. So she wanted to promote the sport and had a huge sign behind her talking about different aspects of it. She dressed up as a golfer in her golf uniform. She had a little mini putting green. So when uh, ninth graders came to check out her project, they could actually putt. Mm -hmm. Um, This last year, a student who has been lifeguarding her entire life came in in her uh, with all of her gear and all kinds of stuff and was there to show... um, show you how you are a successful lifeguard so that was go. fun um one one student a few years ago built an atv out of all these spare parts so that oh. was quite quite innovative <laughs> and it and, ran uh, it ran absolutely oh, he ended cool. up actually selling it then too <laughs> nice. um and and on the creative side of things there was a student this year who created a 63 page um mystery um comic book and she used it kind of a a generic template but then all of the characters she drew herself and created this story so Mm -hmm. um that's a cool it's a huge range i mean i've uh, i've gone through some of those uh, evening showcases and i'm just always impressed from you know and sometimes they're very simple uh relatively small things but then all the times they're the large and sometimes we just have to tell the next group through say you don't all have to write a 250 page book like that young lady did right um you know you, you don't have to write a book it's not that big and many times a personal project is fairly intimate fairly small uh, uh you know contained you know fairly a contained project well, but and that can be because it's all about the process it's not about the product so much as the process right no i i think you're right there and and um We'll come back to the process in just a moment. But one thing I wanted to mention is they are so inclusive. And you talk about today when we are more than ever trying to get all of our students engaged in school and their academic experience. And this is such a great vehicle for that. Um, and it doesn't matter whether you um, um, you know are receiving 
language services or special education services. All students can engage in this and express themselves and Mm -hmm. learn about something they're passionate about. But, you know, you'd mentioned the process. And I think one of the big things about this, we say, okay, so you're a 10th grader, you're, you're 15, 16 years old now, you've had quite a bit of formal education. Here is a chance for you to create something and learn about something independently. And you have to draw not only those critical and creative thinking skills, but your organizational skills, as the IB calls them, these uh, approaches to learning or ATL skills. And you've got to draw on all of that. You've got to work with others. So your, your, your collaboration skills, your communication skills, all of these things, and do something independently. Mm-hmm. So it's really a chance for kids to stand up and say, hey, here's what I can do. And the hope is if they can do this, then they can replicate this in, in various ways as they go forward. So mm-hmm. how they investigate something or, or build on something that they want to learn more about. Yeah. So that actually brings us to the, the point. This is uh, at the end here. Uh, the, the middle years program considers this a, a culminating project, a personal project. It is a capstone, if you will, of, you know, anywhere from, you know, one, two, to f- up to five years of work in the middle years program. So what is it, um, you know, how does this fit into, you know, the continuum? In many of our podcasts, we, we talk about the continuum and the role, the context of the middle years program in, in the lineup of all the other programs. How does this fit into the IB's um, continuum? Well, it it lines up, of course, with the PYP exhibition, the MYP community project if your school ends in in eighth grade, if the middle years program experience ends in eighth grade, um, and then going on um, with the extended essay and the diploma program. And you can see it as a bridge where students are taking something um, that's quite personal to them, Mm -hmm. uh, learning about this deeply presenting on it, that's in 10th grade. And if they continue with the diploma program for their extended essay, they'll be doing something that is still of their own choosing. They get to to choose a topic, but it's an academic topic. And so Mm -hmm. it moves away from a a purely personal, perhaps non-academic topic to something that is... um, you know, that's a little more scholarly. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, the, I've, I've mentioned in other podcasts, it's part of how the IB continuum works is that there are age-appropriate challenges at each point and capstones at each at each step along the way. And, and this is just one example of that. Well, um, John, thank you very, very much for your, your time today talking about the Middle Years Program Personal Project. Uh, I've kind of watched the journey in this school over the years, and, and you should be commended for the the work. And 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 it's obviously it's not just the coordinator; the entire staff, as you mentioned, has has gotten on board. And I I think that is one of the key messages: is that those of you listening, and if you're in an MYP school, uh, it is important that everything you do related to the middle years program and the personal project in particular builds on a a community of of uh, educators who can see the importance of doing something like this with with young people yeah that's been that's been really key to the success that um staff are so supportive and and they really are so our students are lucky for that yeah you bet well thanks again for your time john my pleasure you can learn much more about the myp personal project and other aspects of the middle years program using links in our podcast notes as well as on the ib website at ibo.org 
please find all of our episodes wherever you get your podcasts and click subscribe so that you don't miss any future programs. Follow us on Twitter at MattersIB. Also help us spread the word about IB by liking and sharing the IB Matters links in your own feeds and social networks. In very little time, we have already been heard in over 50 countries, a testament to the global reach of the IB. 